I'm going to tell you. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the secret to lifelong happiness. For free. Isn't that great? Just because you showed up. That was a good decision. You showed up today. Seriously. Harvard University. How many of you have heard of Harvard University? It's pretty good. That's yeah, all right, right? They did the most extensive research on human happiness you could imagine. It took decades and decades. And numerous people, lots and lots of people, just enormous amount of research. And its final conclusion after 60 years of follow-up, final conclusion, happiness is love. Full stop. Just, this is it. One sentence. Happiness is love. Now you got to wonder, like, why did it take, like, 60 years and thousands of people and millions of dollars to come to this conclusion? Well, love. I mean, how many of us already know that love is pretty important? It's good to know it's backed up by research, though, right? So that's the value of it. It's backed up by scientific research confirming what we already know. Happiness is love, full stop. I mean, for those of us who have faith, it's the greatest commandment, right? Super important, greatest commandment. But love, it's one of those things like exercise. It's a lot easier to believe in it than to do it. You know what I'm saying, right? I mean, it's a lot easier to believe exercise is super important. How many of us find it so easy to, like, exercise? You know, I mean, it's hard. Except for you. (laughs) You know, normal people, it's hard. (laughs) Things get in the way. Things get in the way of love. Connection. I mean, when people get married, they don't think about getting divorced, but it happens. And it happens for human beings. It's not because we are faulty or wrong in some way. It just happens. Things get in the way of genuine connections. For example, Candy Crush. (laughs) That really gets in the way of connecting, I find. You know, how many of you are fans of Candy Crush? I I don't mean to knock it. It's good, clean fun. It's really great. (laughs) But let's be honest. How many of us are addicted? To things like Candy Crush, Hearthstone, you know, Call of Duty. I know these games. I wonder why, right? You gotta... <laughs> but seriously, I mean, so many of us are addicted to smartphones, iPads, Facebook, Twitter. Come on, right? I mean, they get in the way of genuine connections. Remember this verse for the sermon series, the thief comes to steal, destroy, and kill. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. God wants to give us life in all its fullness. In every way possible. Left to ourselves, it should happen, but the thief, there is a force. There are things that get in the way of life in all its fullness. And so today... I want to look at a well-known passage. It's called the Good Samaritan. How many of you have heard of that passage? Very famous passage. There are many ways to look at it, many ways to go deep in it, but today I want us to look at it from this angle of what gets in the way of genuinely connecting and loving people. 
Okay? Sounds good? Here we go. Luke chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good question. What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levi, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. I mean, what other answer is there, right? Had to say that. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, but, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from her. Famous passage, yeah? Famous stories. It begins with an expert in the law asking a question. Now, in today's world, an expert in the law would be a lawyer, right? But back in those days, this meant a Bible scholar. The law refers to the Bible here. He's a theologian. He's someone who's devoted his life to studying the Bible, the Word of God. Okay? Got that? And he asks a great question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In original Greek, in my opinion, it's better translated as life in all its fullness forever and ever. Zoe, in original Greek, eternal life, it's life in all its infinity, both in quality and quantity. Life in all its fullness Forever and ever. Sounds good? Right? It's the question we are asking through this sermon series. How do we find richness of life, fullness of life? It's what every human being wants, right? So it's a very profound, fundamental question. Agreed? Looking for secret to happiness in life. It's what he's looking for. And the answer is, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. It's the same answer as the Harvard University. 
when Jesus and Harvard agrees, that's an indication onto the truth. This is real. You know what I'm saying? This is real. This is true. And to understand this a little deeper, this is because this is such a fundamental thing, to understand this passage deeper, I believe we have to go to and understand the root of all human problems described in Genesis 3. I believe that this greatest commandment, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, is actually a call to reverse the fall, the original sin described in Genesis 3. So let me recap that very briefly. So Genesis 3 describes the moment hell began on earth. Describes the moment when the thief begins to steal, destroy, and rob. Life in all its dimensions. And it tells us how and what that looks like. After Adam and Eve representing humanity, each from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? You know that. Most people have heard about that. What happens? The first thing we are told that happens is that they feel compelled to cover up themselves. Before this, they were naked, they look at themselves fully, and they're good. They like what they see. But afterwards, they look at themselves and they go, Oh, i got to cover up with these fig leaves. Remember? Fig leaf? They cover themselves up. I think this may be one of the saddest verses in the Bible. It shows that they don't like themselves anymore. You know, they look at themselves and the thought in their head is, It's no good. It falls short. I gotta cover up. I can't go out there like this. This is no good. I'm falling short. Anybody feel that way in their head at times? I fall short. I gotta, gotta cover up somehow. So alienation from yourself. You're not liking yourself. That's how can how can you have great life when you don't like yourself? It's the first of the robbing of life and happiness. It's horrible. And then we are told they hide from God. There is distance from God. There is alienation from God. And then finally, Adam points to Eve, his spouse, and says. All the problems, she caused it. Every problem you see, she's the one to blame. Anybody married? (laughs) How do you think this will play out that night? I mean, I don't know how you can even recover from something like this, right? I mean, do you see the chill? I mean, before this, it was the bone of bones, flesh of flesh... One with you, I'm so tight. Well, not anymore. That's gone. Alienation from each other. So you see, what Genesis 3 describes is alienation in every dimension. From yourself, from God, from each other. 
That's how hell robs you of life through alienation in every way, distance, disconnection. This is how the thief destroys and kills and robs. And so we see that the greatest commandment, love God, love each other, as yourself, we see three connections here, right? It's the reverse of what we see in the fall, in the original sin, the root of all human problems. That is why this is the greatest commandment. It goes to the root of everything that's wrong in this world. This, Jesus says, is everything that God wants for us and from us. On this hangs every command from God, Jesus says. And that's because this is the reverse of the original sin. The fall. Root of all our problems. And so it's the most fundamental thing in the Bible. Can we agree on this? And yet, this Bible scholar, who himself calls this the most fundamental thing, even he gets tripped up. He says, he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? That desire to justify yourself, what is that if not a fig leaf to cover up? Right? To justify yourself. You know, you're feeling kind of bad about where you are at here. You're feeling a little put on the spot. He's feeling a little bit like, hmm. And so he wants to justify. He wants to, right? Can you relate? How many of you like justifying yourself? I I do that all the time. (coughs) Especially when I fight with my wife. It doesn't matter if she's right or wrong. I have to be in the right. I have to justify myself because I don't, I don't, at heart, I don't feel good enough. I don't feel secure enough. And so I have to cover up. I have to come up with arguments and whatever I can pull to say, I'm right, I'm good. You're the one who's wrong. Original sin. Covering up. And the culture we live in, it doesn't help. We live in performance culture that's constantly asking us, are you good enough? Are you good enough? Anybody here mothers? Or have a mother? No, some, some of us. This question, are you a good enough mother? Oh, that's a killer. Has that ever occurred to you? Absolutely, right? Every day. And is there an answer to that? No. How can there be an answer to, are you a good enough mother that's doing everything you can for your child? How how can you ever answer that? And it always puts you down. Are you a good enough father? Are you a good enough student? Are you a good enough child? Are you a good enough son, daughter? Are you a good enough person who's providing enough money for your family? Are you good enough at your work? Have you climbed the ladder enough? Anybody? I do, all the time. Am I preaching a good enough sermon? Mm, 
We'll see. There you go. See the fall right here. The Bible expert, the theologian, devoted man of God, wanting to justify himself. He's, he's eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, judging himself, judging others. Am I good enough? Are you good enough? It's the fall. Jesus sees that. He sees what's happening and tells a little story about a man who is dying by the roadside. And a priest and a Levite sees a dying man and they pass by on the other side. They, they see and they walk to the other side and pass by. Do you see the disconnection here? There is, is there a connection? This is, a, this is an example of disconnection and alienation. You see a dying man by the roadside and you walk to the other side and walk by. That's a person who is not really in touch with humanity. You, 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 got, a, you got a heart that's like, that's disconnected, right? What, what causes this? Well, this, I propose to you, may not be as uncommon or callous as it sounds. They priests and worship leaders, they had duties and responsibilities. Back in those days, if you touch a dead man, you become unclean and you cannot fulfill your functions. And so, you can get so focused on your duties and responsibilities that you lose touch with your own humanity. That can happen. There was an experiment done that gave an assignment to all these seminary students studying to become pastors to prepare a sermon on this passage and then they made them late and then put a man in trouble on the steps to the lecture hall and then they waited to see how many of them would actually stop to help the man. And the answer is very few did. Most of them just passed by, even as they were trying to deliver a sermon on this passage. Because they were focused on the task at hand. They got a duty, they got a responsibility. And when you're busy, you don't want to be inconvenienced. It's hard to see. You pass by. It happens all the time, more often than we think. And I'm going to propose to you, this is actually a retelling of Genesis 3 that I just talked to you about. That focus, putting on of roles, they can act like a fig leaf. Needing to justify ourselves, needing to put on a good performance, focus on our roles, it can lead to alienation from other people, obviously. From God, because this is against God's heart. But even within the priests and the Levites himself, within them, they are alienated from their own humanity. There's alienation all around because of eating from the tree of judgment, needing to perform. 
It's a retelling of Genesis 3. Now these roles we put on, that we take on, masks we put on, that focuses us away from connection. And the passage says, but a Samaritan. Samaritans were despised as this mixed bastard race that heretics. So Jesus now in this passage is comparing the best of the people of faith, pastors and worship leaders, with the worst heretics you can imagine. But it is the worst heretic that takes pity on him and took care of him. It's this heretic, unlike the pastor and the worship leader, who stops to connect with a dying man. He sees and instead of going, pa- going by him, he, he goes over to the dying man and takes care of him. And that involves not just this physical distance. There was enormous amount of racial divide, religious divide, a lot of bias and hatred between Jews and Samaritans. But he crosses the divide. This is an example of someone who is connected, who is not under the fall, not alienated. He's in touch with his humanity. And then the passage moves on to a short story about Martha and a little dinner party. And at first, these two stories seem very disconnected. Why are they next to each other? I want to propose to you there is actually a very deep connection between the two stories. It says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She's accusing Jesus of not caring. You know, she's accusing her sister of being a no good, lazy, you know, Tell, you know, help me. But she doesn't go to her sister. She goes to Jesus in front of everybody and basically blows up at her. Hmm, can you imagine? This was a joyful little gathering, dinner party. And the host yells at the guest of honor. (laughs) Uh, Has that ever happened to you? You know, it's that that moment when, when there's the awkward silence. Descends, right? Everybody's like, hmm, I'm just going to look down here. I'm not getting involved with that. Right? Do you feel that alienation that is, that is happening here? She's alienating from her sister. She's alienated from Jesus. And I propose to you she's alienated from herself as well. Because why is she, why is she yelling? Because she's stressed out. Why is she stressed out? Because she's failing. There's all these preparations that has to be done. She has this role to fulfill as a good host. And it's not being done. And her no good sister. She blames her sister for this, right? I got, a, I got all this work to do. I'm failing. And she's just sitting over there. So she blames her for it. But she is also. Why is that? coming out because she is failing. She's looking at herself and saying, I am failing. I'm not doing well. She needs to cover up. 
So this is a fig leaf. She's covering up by blaming others. Have you ever done that? I do that all the time. When I fail, I have to find someone to blame. Because I don't want to blame myself. But I'm already doing that. I'm already saying I'm no good. This is yet another retelling of Genesis 3. She is eating from the tree of judgment freely, judging her sister, judging Jesus, judging herself, and it just brings on alienation in every way. It's yet another retelling of Genesis 3, just like the priest and the Levite. In fact, this story is the capstone of the Good Samaritan story. It is... The key to understanding the Good Samaritan story, it concludes it. It shows you in real life situation what Good Samaritan story is trying to tell us. Very powerful. And I can so relate to Martha. I do that all the time. Don't you? See, Genesis 3 and the fall, it's not just a story. It's truer than you think. It's happening all around you right now, every moment. It is not just a historical event that you wonder, did it really happen? No. It's happening right now in your life. So don't stop thinking, is it true or not? It's true in your life right this moment. So what can we do? What can we do against this tide we swim in? My first practical suggestion is to stop and pay attention to people in your life. Just stop and pay attention. The priest and the worship leader, they just pass by. They have important things to do. I can relate. I often get so busy, you know, with things like writing a sermon that I can just pass by the people in my life who are important to me. Like my kids, for example. I got really, really convicted this past week. Because, you know, my kids, they like to interrupt me. And I work at all hours and at home too because of my back problem. I'm I'm often at work. I'm often working at home. I'm typing and I'm working on sermons. And then, you know, my kids would just go, Daddy, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm working. You know, I must write this important sermon about connecting to people, about not passing by. So just shut up, you know? It just happens all the time. I read a book this past week that was incredibly convicting. Its title is really good. It says, How to Talk to Your Kids So Your Kids Will Listen. And how to listen so your kids will talk. Isn't that a great title? This is not just about kids, folks. This is about how to talk with anyone in your life. Really important. A cartoon in this book showed me, really convicted me, what I always do. Look at this cartoon. A kid comes up. Eric punched me. So, Daddy, do you hear me? I can hear you. Go on. So I hit him back. Then hit me again. Are you listening? I'm listening to every word. No, you're not. I can listen and watch the game at the same time. Go on. Oh, forget it. That's me. With my smartphones, 
with my laptops, with football games on this afternoon. You know, that's so easy to do. Not just with kids, but anyone. My wife, people in my... I'm not very good at switching tracks. When I'm doing something, it's hard to like pay attention. I, I just want to just pass by. I'm working. I'm doing stuff. Especially those of us who live in New York. Isn't it true? Can you relate? We're busy people. I'm not alone. So many people are just glued to our smartphones. You could have a Chewbacca walk by and nobody notices. Nobody's like, what is that? You know, you just... I was so convicted. I made a resolution this past week that I think may be the most influential, impactful decision I made this whole year. I made a resolution because of this next cartoon. Eric punched me, and the dad turns off the TV, turns, and looks at the kid. Just turns it off and looks at the kid. So I made a resolve that I will just close my laptop, and I will look. Whenever someone important in my life tries to talk to me, I'm just going to put down my smartphone and look instead of trying to do both. It's hard to do. So I'm just going to put it down and look. This image was seared in my brain. It convicted me so much. And, and, and it made such a difference this week. I just, my teenage daughters, my daughters have grown up there in teenage years and you know, it has not been that easy this past year, especially connecting to them. And I ask them a question, and they'll just go, hmm. And how was your day? Yeah, it was good. Hmm. And I just thought, you know, maybe these are just teenage years, you know, just being sullen and I'm not cool, you know. But then I think it's more than that. In my case, at least. I think I've established a pattern where I don't listen to them very well. I really don't. So if I don't listen to them, why should they listen to me? Why should they put in the effort to talk to me when I don't respond most days? And I just thought, in two years, my oldest will be in college. goes by fast. And the pattern of my relationship with her has become this. And so I just decided I'm just going to pay attention. And I made such a huge difference. I never knew my daughters could be so chatty. (laughs) Just just so chatty. Never knew. Makes a difference, right? I'm glad for this. I'm glad for this. You know? My sermon can be bad. I mean, it's all right. You know, you guys will understand, right? I need to connect to my daughter. I hope this is convicting to you as well as busy New Yorkers. (coughs) Pay attention. Don't be like the priest and the Levi. This is the greatest commandment. Second suggestion, grow in empathy because when the good Samaritan saw him, he took pity on him. Empathy. Connection. Let me show you another carton. 
cartoon. A kid says, my turtle is dead. He was alive this morning. Now, don't get so upset, honey. Don't cry. It's only a turtle. Stop that. I'll buy you another turtle. Now you're just being unreasonable. This is an example of wanting to pass by a negative emotion. The negative emotion is difficult. When your kid is crying, it's hard to see that. It's, uh, it's painful to you. And so you want to pass that by. You want to provide a solution. I'll get you another turtle. What? I mean, the turtle was her friend. <laughs> i just get you another turtle? I mean, that doesn't... But that's an attempt to pass by because it's uncomfortable. We have to learn to give space to the emotions. That's empathy. The greatest commandment is not to go fix everything. Provide a solution. Does God say, solve it? No. God says, connect. Love. That's a lot more powerful than we think. God knows what He's doing. We think we have to go perform and solve. That's not what He commanded. He commanded to love and connect because it has enormous power. You have to give space to people. So learn to listen without judgment. This is my final suggestion. Listen without judgment. Martha rushes to judgment and blames everyone and ruins the party. Yes? Look at this cartoon next. This is uh, an example of a kid that's... Next one, please. Somebody stole my new red pencil, the kid says. Are you sure you didn't lose it? I didn't. It was on my desk when I went to the bathroom. Well, what do you expect if you leave things around? I told you, you've had things taken before, you know. This is not the first time. I was telling you, keep your things to yourself. You lose things. You never listen. And that leads to, oh, leave me alone. That's the right response, right? Leave me alone. You know, this happens. My kids, they lose things every day. They lose things every single day. And you tell them, do this, do this, you know, try not to do this. Every single day. And so I do this. I go, again, You lost your sweater for the 12th time. The same sweater. Come on, man. Come on. I mean, you can feel that way, right? Come on. Right? But that just leads to... I mean, the kid is already feeling bad, right? It just makes them feel worse. And does it solve anything? Does it ever solve it? It doesn't solve it. They still lose it. You know? Let's show the next cartoon. Somebody stole my new red pencil. Oh? Hmm. Huh? I see. She's just making noises. Just, just noises. But it leads to a much better place. Who knew noises could be so powerful? So this is my final suggestion. Learn to make noises. (laughs) When someone shares something, don't try to solve it for them. They are capable human beings. 
You know, it just leads to the kid coming to the solution herself because it's giving space. You're learning to listen without judgment. Make noises instead of, you know, making all these suggestions. Resist it. Just tell yourself, I am tempted to give advice right now and say something that's very obvious that they already know anyway, but I'm going to say it. Well, don't. Make noise instead. Just go, um? You should, um. You ought to, um. Oh? Much better. Okay? Don't laugh. Don't just, I'm trying to make it funny, but don't just laugh. The greatest commandment is to love. And I propose to you, we don't know how to do this well. Seed has stolen and destroyed and robbed. And we are at a place where we don't even know what we are doing. That priest and the Levite, do you think they knew what they were doing? Do you think they knew they were breaking God's heart? They have devoted their life to serving God. Happens so easily. So let's take this seriously. Greatest commandment is not for you to become the superman that solves everything. It's simply to connect and love God, the world, and yourself. And there is more power in that you know. Jesus died on the cross to reverse those three alienations by bringing blame-free, shame-free, guilt-free, judgment-free life. To live in that freedom and love. And we shall have life in all its fullness forever. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you did not put on us to solve all problems. What you have put on us is to get connected again to ourselves, to God, and to each other. Help us to understand how important and powerful that is. Help us with your Holy Spirit. Give us power. And we shall have life. All its fullness. Amen.